Greetings, everyone. Welcome. My name is Andy Herndon, and this is the Play for Keeps podcast, an initiative of the Ashland New Plays Festival here in Ashland, Oregon. We are recording compelling new plays with world-class actors and sharing them here with you through our podcast, making theater accessible worldwide and on demand. We have created this series to let you in on the front lines of new works for stage. Today, you'll be hearing part one of Dance of the Fluxons by Drew Katzman. Our recording features Cameron Davis as Kent, Elizabeth Gudenrath as Millie, Scott Kaiser as David, Megan Nealon as Rainbow, and Stephanie Potter as Francine, with stage directions by Jim Pagliasotti. Be sure to return next week to hear part two. Now, without any further ado, part one of Dance of the Fluxons by Drew Katzman. Dance of the Fluxons by Drew Katzman. Cast of characters. David Braylock, late 50s, male, husband, father. He is not someone who pays a lot of attention to dress or appearance. Millie Braylock, late 40s, female, wife, mother. She is a person who dedicates much time to self-image and style, following health trends and possibly having had some body or face work done. Rainbow Braylock, 18, female, daughter. Her hair has streaks of purple or whatever. She eschews any makeup or decoration that would enhance her looks in a mainstream way. Her decorations are intended to be statements of independence from the mainstream, but at the same time to assure acceptance by a select clique of friends. Francine Braylock, mid-30s, female, daughter-in-law, wife. She is six months pregnant. Her hair is dyed and big. She wears clothing that emphasizes her body and possibly a bit too much makeup. She is unfailingly good-natured and wanting to please. Kent Franklin, of different ethnicity than the Braylocks, 20, male. His appearance is conservative, buttoned-downed, and well-tailored. Synopsis. Is human behavior subject to the same laws as the physical universe? Is there one defining principle that underlies the behavior of all physical matter? Will Rainbow get to the pre-party? Should dinner be held or served? Is David cheating on Millie? Is Kent really a visitor from a different world? What does the baby make of all this? And where's Andy? Setting. The open floor plan living, dining area of the Bloomington, Indiana, upper middle class home of David and Millie Braylock. Time in the fall. Scene one. Lights up on rainbow on a couch in the living room area, painting her nails deep purple. Francine, six months pregnant, sitting, and Millie opening a bottle of wine at the bar. Rainbow wears a t-shirt that says, Ask My Mother, and tends toward goth light in makeup and accessories. There is what appears to be an intricate model of a large molecule made of pencils, golf balls, and wiffle balls sprawled across the dining room table. That color makes you look like a tramp. My future therapist thanks you for that totally awesome take on maternal nurture. I'm just saying it seems like sometimes you go out of your way to make yourself look unattractive. And I'm just saying Amnesty International should look into the way you treat your indigenous peoples. Don't you want boys to find you attractive? That's the standard by which you want me to measure myself? I hope you realize no one is ever going to be as honest with you as your mother. You promise? We have an important guest coming for dinner and you need to look presentable. Why is that such a problem for you? Wow. 
How about because I want to be presentable for my friends when I finally get to Patty's? Why is that such a problem for you? If you're so embarrassed by me, why do I even have to be here? Because it's an important event for your father. Andy's not here. He's on his way. He really will be here in like a second or two, Rainy. David enters from kitchen. I can't give you an answer now. I, I just can't. Yes, I hope soon. I'll give you a call as soon as I know anything. Seen my iPad? Andy here? I know he's thought about calling, and he probably just stopped for gas and then got distracted looking at a magazine while he was eating some peanuts or something. Honey, will that be off the table soon? Rainbow is waiting on you so she can put out the dishes in silver. Yes, absolutely. Love, it was your idea to do a family dinner at the house. You did not want for you and I to do just the simple thing, and the two of us take Kent to a nice local restaurant. You wanted a family dinner. To have a family dinner, we need a dinner table. I can't set the table until my nails dry anyway. Another good reason for you to stop doing what you're doing. David, honey, I would like to eat as soon as Kent gets here, even if Andy's not here yet, all right? David crosses to the sideboard and finds tape and a marking pen, then sits at the table and starts to flag particular junctions of the model. If we're going to have a family dinner at the dinner table, we might as well sit down all together, don't you think, sweetheart? Really, honey, we don't want to keep Francine up too late at this stage in the pregnancy, do we? That's okay. The baby likes to get out sometimes. <laughs> it would be so lovely if it all works out, but Ken's probably going to be anxious to get to campus, don't you think? So I'm just saying, you know, if... Andy, for some wild reason, like getting distracted by a magazine while eating peanuts, is late. I mean, it's possible. Can't it enjoy the chance to relax a little before dinner after that long drive? Absolutely. But I'm thinking it might be kind of rude after that long drive to make him wait. I mean, unless he has a particular craving to sit for an indefinite period of time in a strange living room after driving for two days. If Andy gets here first, are we supposed to start without Kent? Love, if geese fly to the moon, do we still need NASA? Maybe Andy will be first. Like, if Kent gets in an accident or something. Let's see how things unfold. Why are you not taking that off the table? I've got to tag the junctions. Why? So I can put it back together. But it's not going to be on the table, right, love? Let's discuss it later, honey. Of course. As you wish. Maybe we can put the whole thing just as it is in a couple of big garbage bags to protect it and put it out by the shed for now or something, yes? Daddy, can I please go to Patty's? As soon as dinner's over, sweetie. Everyone's over there already for the pre-party. I'm making braised tofu a la rainbow. Thank you, Daddy. You're not doing a whole meal based on mustard again, are you, babe? Force yourself some wine. Millie, do you want me to help with anything? Oh, I think we'll be okay. Thank you, sweetheart. Why don't you try calling again? Francine calls. Daddy, I'm not sure you are fully taking into account what I'm telling you. I'm trying, sweetheart. Your daughter is going to be hugely humiliated if she's like the last person to show up for her best friend in the whole world's 18th birthday. I don't know what to say, honey. This is the day Kent arrives in town. It's the very first 18ing of any of us. I know. I understand. No answer. <gasps> mm, he's probably just parking, but it's like a... Tight space, so he's going back and forth, back and forth to squeeze in, and then he'll be here. Oh, wait, I have the car. 
He's on the motorcycle. Uh, well, maybe it's a really, really tight space. You need to stop being so self-centered, Rainbow. If you were new to Ken's hometown... One thing I'm sure I would not do is have dinner with him and his family, or in any way volunteer to spend time with him. You don't even know him. I know enough to know that I have no desire to be in the same room, let alone spend an entire dinner with him. Like what? What do you know? You do this to me all the time. I have a mind, you know. What is the problem? Can't you ever just trust me? Oh, is he a molester or an addict or something? Rainbow, I need to know this. Extremely worse. What did he do? Rainbow. He's a Republican. <laughs> oh, my God. You laugh, but it's on you that he's coming into our house. Honey, would you say something to your daughter? Sweetheart. <sighs> Thank you, David. Why do you need to be able to put it back together? There's a couple of nano-junctures I need to work out before I have absolute confidence in my theoretical. Absolute confidence is theoretical, isn't it? Have you seen my iPad? Where are you going? I need to check the food. Your iPad is on your nightstand. I gotta check the food. David exits to kitchen. If you think I'm going to sit here after dinner and play parlor games or something, I can tell you now, I will die first and then probably throw up. What are you talking about? Republicans play parlor games. For a smart girl, you are absolutely ridiculous sometimes. Now, get with the program or you'll stay home tomorrow night, too. Tomorrow is the after party. Exactly my point. Wow. It is very important to your father that we make Kent welcome. Do you understand? Why? I don't know why. So, just to make sure I fully understand the logic of the world of grown-ups, which I will soon be entering, I am not to enjoy my life because the demented spawn of a man who was daddy's college roommate 200 years ago is dinnering here because he happens, by a cruel twist of fate, to be arriving in this particular town on this particular night to start college. And if I do not boogie to the beat of this twisted thinking. Not only is my night ruined tonight, you're going to ruin my tomorrow night as well? Is that correct? That's about it. And my happiness is irrelevant? I thought you were going to become a grown-up. I hope I'm never going to be like you. You're going to be like me before your nails dry. That is so great. That David and the father of a demented spawn are still friends. I don't think I still have one friend from college. Maybe because it was junior college. Huh. I don't even think we had demented spawns. I'm going upstairs until dinner's ready. No, you're not. And I am not kidding about tomorrow. If I hear another word about it, you're not even going over there after dinner. Francine, fix your blouse. The doorbell rings. I'll get it. David enters. Rainbow, you look like you're ready for a party. I am ready for a party. Please, Daddy. You'll be there before you know it, sweetheart. And looking very pretty, I think. And Millie, you look gorgeous. Love you. Love you. New blouse? Why? I've got to put my nail polish away. Rainbow grabs her nail polish and exits, bolting upstairs. David moves to the door. David, tuck in your shirt. Rainbow, get back here. Millie exits up the stairs, following Rainbow. Should I go help? I'd better go help. Francine exits up the stairs, following Millie. To audience. If you're going to ask why about something, ask with curiosity, for God's sake. People ask why to challenge and confront. People ask why to make conversation. People ask why to collect evidence. Only once in a blue goddamn moon do people ask why in order to learn something they don't know, which is the why that distinguishes humans from apes. 
the expression of a simple but extraordinary and deep need to find out what's behind the curtain. Because we understand gravity, does that change anything about whether we fall when we stumble, some people say, as though that defines the entire value of knowledge. Uh, wouldn't Newton have been better off asking, where's a better place to sit, they say? <sighs> Neanderthals. If you don't know why you fall, how will you ever learn to fly? Coming! He opens the door. Blackout. End of scene. Scene two, a little later. Kent sits alone in the living room, looking at his phone. After a long moment, David enters, wiping his hands on his apron. Okay, everybody. Hope you've got great appetites. Oh, my God. They didn't come down yet? That's no problem. Happy to chill. Millie! Uh, I guess there goes our Best Home to Visit in Bloomington award for this year, huh, Kent? Millie! Oh, I'm truly sorry. Maybe another night would be better. No, 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 no. Perfect night. Uh, two words for you. Buffalo Stroganoff. Wow. <laughs> it's an honor having you here, Kent. Millie! Rainbow! I was sure they'd... Uh, I had to... Uh, drive went okay? Very smooth. Thank you. <laughs> Love the road. Good, 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 good. Uh, good weather? Most of the way. Couldn't ask for better. Ah, good. Good, good. You excited? I am. Thank you, sir. David feels his phone vibrate, looks at the text, and responds. Big moment in your life. Yes, sir. Enjoy it. I intend to. But not too much, right? <laughs> right, right, sir. Uh, David. David. Hey, what's the what's that thing on the table? Uh, just something I'm, uh, you know. It's like some kind of art piece or something? Uh, not really. Um, that what you're going to study? Art? I'm just going to kind of check things out for the first year or two, then probably focus on finance. Very nice. Following your dad's footsteps, huh? I think he'd like that. And how about you? Me. Would you like it? Well, you know, I, I think it's the smart thing. Uh-huh. Hey, um, talking about your dad, I've been trying, um... A door slams upstairs. Rainbow comes tromping down the stairs, followed closely by Millie, and then by Francine. Okay, well, that took a moment. And you must be Kent. What a pleasure to meet you. I'm Millie. Pleasure to meet you, Mrs. Braylock. That is a lovely blouse. And this is Rainbow, our young daughter who's still in high school and who's extremely apologetic about our needing to be upstairs for so long. Hey. She's a little shy. I hope you'll forgive her. Still waters run deep. Cool nails. David, Andy's not here yet? Mm, not yet. Andy is our eldest, our prodigal. We'll just go ahead and get started and he can catch up with us when he gets here. I'm Andy's wife. Oh, Francine. Francine. Hi, Kent. I like your hair. David, it's really time to move that thing. Millie crosses to the bar to refresh her wine. David goes to the table to continue tagging. Uh, Millie, did you happen to bring my iPad down? Uh, no. And this is the baby. <laughs> he doesn't have a name yet, but you can call him baby. That's what we call him. Like, hey, baby, what's up? How you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh... Uh, hey, what's up, baby? <laughs> Kent, you are so sweet. And so cute. Isn't he cute? David, you didn't offer Kent a drink? Would you like something to drink, hon? Some wine or... No, wait. Don't tell me you're a college boy now, bud or corona. Uh, just 
water for me, thanks. Really? We're not going to tell anyone. Whatever you like. Tequila, am I right? Millie, the boy is driving. Really, just water would be totally awesome. I understand apple martinis are very big. Not a big deal to put one of those together for you if you'd like. In fact, maybe I'll join you. What do you think? Oh, just the water, thanks. We can do a blended mojito. The water's good, mm, thank you. Blended mojito sounds... Mm, I think I'll have one. As she prepares her mojito, Millie talks to the audience. Sometimes I wish that I was missing a leg, or had cancer, or something like that. Something that would allow us all to lower our expectations of me. I think it would be very helpful if we could all see which parts. I think it would be very helpful if we could all see which of my parts are damaged or missing. It might then be clear that there might be some chronic pain involved. And we might see my behavior through the generous eyes with which we view a prosthetic device or a wig. I might even sometimes look brave for just making it through a day. David, just about done, hon? Just about. What shall we do until that glorious moment when our dining table reawakens to its true inner nature? Rainbow, would you like to tell Kent what you were telling me just before he arrived? I told you she's a bit shy, but she was telling me how much she loves parlor games. I did not say... She thought you might know some. They're such a good way to get to know people, don't you think? Well, I... I we never play it. games in this house, do we, honey? So we haven't got a clue where to start. I love parlor games. Perfect. Except I don't know any, so I can't be of much help there. How unfortunate for us. Rainbow... I thought this was a living room. I, I, I don't really... Rainbow, uh, is this a parlor? I guess we could talk politics. Rainbow loves that, Rainbow, too. I didn't even know I was ever in a parlor. I think I left the light on in my room. I'm going to go turn it off. I'm sure it'll be fine. My carbon footprint is growing. Then we'll pick up some larger shoes for it after school on Monday. Okay, uh, so if you were face-to-face -face with God, what one question would you ask? Daddy, do we really have to wait for Andy? Uh, we can't eat until I get this done anyway, honey. I'll help you. No need to, honey. I want to help my dear, hard-working old man who nobody helps with anything and always has to take care of everything, okay? I, uh, okay. Um, there's another roll of tape and a pen in the drawer. Uh, tag on either side of wherever a blue ping-pong ball connects with green pencils. Fun. Uh, start with 301, yes? I like this game. Let's do it. I mean, it's not really a parlor game. My friends and I made it up for, like, a, a first date icebreaker kind of thing, you know? Oh, we're considering this a first date? Oh, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> I like it. And I have a great answer. Want to go first, Rainbow? I don't want to go first, if that's okay. Actually, I think I want to go last. Yeah, I do. I want to go last. You go, Millie. I want to hear yours. Mm. Not just yet, dear. Uh, Rainbow? You actually use this on dates? You don't like it? For starters, this particular ridiculous attempt at forced social interaction assumes a common take on God, which I'm gonna guess is 
so not the case, unless you're down with discussing the Judeo-Christian-Islamist, patriarchal repression of joy, the human body, and sexuality, and how it leads to obsession with power, war, and the abuse of women and children? Looks like you hit a nerve there, Kent. Are you like a born-again-dian, too? Uh, I'm... Uh, no. So what's the agenda, dude? There's no agenda, dudette. <laughs> There's always an agenda. I mean... It doesn't have to be God, per se. It doesn't have to be God, per se, Rainy. Go ahead. What would you ask? Kent, who should she ask if she isn't asking God, per se? You just think of it like if you were face-to-face -face with the closest thing you can imagine to an all-knowing being. She won't answer. She not only gets shy, but she gets just a touch defensive. Always have, haven't you, sweetheart? What would I ask an all-knowing being? I'd ask... Why do you think you even have a clue who I am, Mother? You see? Because you don't have the finesse to hide anything yet, dear. Don't worry, you'll get there. Why don't you go instead, sweetheart? David has such a beautiful mind for this kind of thing. It's why I fell in love with him. I'd ask God why. <laughs> see? Maybe Andy's just standing outside the front door waiting for someone to open it. She crosses to the door. Seriously? What'd you ask, Rainbow? Go ahead, Rainbow. You always have such great ideas. Yay, Rainbow! <laughs> Francine opens the door and looks around. Okay, fine. I'd ask God, what's up with the bozo food distribution thing? <laughs> You're always so serious. Oh, well, not there. Like, what do you mean, bozo food distribution thing? Of course, you would have no concept. Oh, you mean, like, why the market puts the diet sodas on aisle 11, but the Skittles right at the cash register, huh? Ah, that is so messed up when you're working really hard to drop that last two pounds and three ounces, right? I'm just saying, if there were a god, why do so many people have no food and some people have... Forget it. Pretty boring, right? Somebody else's turn. No, really. <laughs> What's up with that? That's a great question. What the heck was he thinking? She. Are you sure you want a female deity to take the rap for that? It's somebody else's turn now, isn't it? My daughter, the warrior princess. Go ahead, Kenty. What would you ask? How to get rid of the lower class. Have I done something to offend you? Wow, that's a great fucking question to ask God. Uh, oops. <laughs> what would you ask God, Kent? That's what's on the table. Okay. Well, let's see. I'd ask God, do you believe in God? Wow. Wait, I'm confused. How very existential of you. Is it? It is what it is. And we are what we are, right? Now, have I done something to offend you? Mom, I want to go to Pat's. <laughs> she just gets a little uncomfortable around Mother, Republicans. I didn't say that... Really? Okay, yes, really. I'd rather spend an evening with a goldfish. <laughs> really, a, a goldfish? At least a goldfish wouldn't try to tell me what I can and can't do with my body or who I can do it with. At least a goldfish would have compassion if I ran into some bad luck or if, like, I lost a leg or something and needed care or something. At least a goldfish wouldn't assume that as long as it's got its daily flakes, I can die for all it cares. And you think that's what I think? Don't tell me you're not a Republican. It's all over your Facebook page like you're proud of it or something. Are you checking me out? 
Of course I did. Tell me you didn't check me out. Silence. He didn't. Daddy, you know Andy's not going to show up. Honey, please. One thing I've learned is that you can't vote for people just because of what party they come from. You have to really, really investigate their teeth. Your turn, Francine. She said she wanted to go last. I'm going to go last. It's okay. I'm not sure I want to go anyway. We'll just assume you've asked God where Andy is. <gasps> That's exactly what I'd ask him. It's like you really know me, don't you, Millie? Well, that's the stunningly attractive and exuberantly youthful Miss Millie Braylock. What would you ask? Rainbow does a gag me gesture. Why, thank you, Kent. How gallant. First, I'd ask God if he wants a refill on the mojito. <laughs> you sure you don't want some of this? Refilling her own glass. David? You sure you want another before we eat? Oh, we'll be eating soon, right? Maybe it'd be better to wait then, huh? She takes a healthy drink from her glass, then tops it off again. I'll take some. You're pregnant. Oh, right. <laughs> I keep forgetting. Rainbow? Keep trying, Mom. I still don't drink. See, you and Kent have something in common after all. Water. Okay. Drum roll. I'd ask how many people will be at my funeral. <laughs> Is that perfect or what? Wow. Everybody wants to know that, but no one admits it. I don't want to know that. Oh, you're telling me when you lie awake in the middle of the night, you don't wonder how many people will be at your funeral? I don't lie awake in the middle of the night. Oh, you're such a liar. My daughter is a liar. I'm not a liar, and I've never even thought about my funeral. Be careful of her, Kent. Millie. How's the food doing? Do you want the food ready or the table clear? Do you really want me to tell you what I want? Uh, if you get done on that side, Rainbow, come over and take care of these. David rises, but before exiting, he turns to the audience. Since the days of Einstein, great minds have believed that there is an underlying principle that describes the relatedness of fundamental forces and elementary particles, a relatedness that connects such seemingly disparate things as matter, gravity, light, electromagnetism, and energy. While many ask what that relatedness might be, I ask a different question. Why? Why do so many great minds believe this? Is it because, as we learn over and over every day in our small ways, our understanding surpasses our knowledge? And then I ask more deeply, if there is such a relatedness, why would it exist? And I answer that the only possible reason there could be such a relatedness is if, at very, very, very bottom, everything is comprised of the same fundamental entity— Within molecules, we have found atoms. Within atoms, we have found electrons. We have found neutrinos, uh, quarks, uh, photons, bosons. And it is as clear as daylight and chocolate mousse to me that at some point we will find, within everything else we find, a single entity that is the basic primary component of everything that exists, including gravity and daylight and chocolate mousse. David exits to the kitchen. Kent, you wonder how many people will be at your funeral, don't I you? I just said to Andy this morning, I swear, 
What do you think that Vicky will say about me when I'm dead? <laughs> he had a little trouble during his morning satisfaction, and so to take his mind off it, I asked him what he thought Vicky would say at my funeral. <laughs> and of course, he said, who's Vicky? Who's the checkout girl at the market? But of course, he wouldn't know that because, you know, I do the shopping. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I can't imagine. I know, right? <laughs> Maybe you should go look for him, dear. What do you think? <gasps> I think I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Maybe his phone is out of battery and he's stuck somewhere. <gasps> oh, maybe all his batteries stopped working at the same time and he, he can't start the motorcycle or, or call or do anything. <gasps> oh, call me if he shows up. Francine exits through the front door. Can I at least go viber, Pat, while we're waiting? No. Kent deserves attention after that long drive and... <sighs> Five minutes, that's it. You understand? Rainbow exits. So, Kent... Your house is quite beautiful, Mrs. Braylock. Millie, please. Thank you. <laughs> you have exquisite taste. Thank you. If a man is willing to forget his family and make the job his mistress, it's amazing what his wife can accomplish. David works a lot? I tried to get him to marry the job and cheat with me, but he wouldn't go for it. <laughs> That's crazy. I don't know how anyone could resist an offer like that. Are you flirting with me? That's very sweet. I'm flattered. My dad's kind of a workaholic, too. How does your mother deal with it? She left him eight years ago. Oh, uh-huh. So very effectively, then. How long have you two been married? Twenty-six and a half years. Wow. I know, right? And you still... What? Do you still love each other? What an interesting question. I think you'd have to be married twenty-six and a half years to understand the answer. Would you pour me a bit of wine? Going to the bar area. Which one? The one on the left there. Was your father's work the only reason they split up? I think they just hated each other. Mm-hmm. Do you think sex had anything to do with it? Uh, Was that a terrible question? Tell me. From the point of view of a young person, do you think we'd be better off if sex were talked about more openly? I don't... Isn't it absurd uh, they don't advertise condoms? I Talking not. about sex makes David forget to breathe. But it's the mind that's the trash heap, isn't it? Full of rotting cultural detritus and twisted vestiges of nature. Huh, I never really... Did uh, one of your parents cheat? Or both. Or were they just unhappy and frustrated? You know, this I, is I'm... such a refreshing conversation. I so rarely have an opportunity to talk to a young person who isn't mad at me. Why, why don't they, they advertise condoms? I'll tell you what. Let's try an experiment. Let's you and I pretend we live in a world where it's okay to talk about anything. Okay. How did you lose your virginity? Um, Seriously, how did you? I... <laughs> that, that's kind of difficult. Okay, fair enough. I'll start. <laughs> uh, I lost mine at sweet 15 on a football field, trying to impress an older guy. Did it work? <laughs> you have an interesting mind, young man. He behaved very awkwardly around me after that, so maybe so. Did you enjoy your first time? I, I can't really answer that. Don't be shy. Think of this as practice. 
Practice for what? We're practicing. We don't live in a culture that confuses titillation with sexuality. With enough practice, you may even grow up to be a man who actually asks his wife questions about what gives her pleasure. You with me on this, Kenti? I'm, I'm there. It's cool. I, I just can't answer your question. Here, come sit over here with me. You know, I'm really so comfortable here. I, what, what kind of chair is this? It's amazing how comfortable it is. Oh, you're afraid I'm pulling a Mrs. Robinson on you? <laughs> Believe me, I'm no Mrs. Robinson. Who's Mrs. Robinson? Kent, come sit down here. Kent switches seats. Millie moves a bit closer, but not intimidatingly so. Turn toward him so that her knee, not her body, is close to him. She drinks some wine. You're absolutely sure you don't want to join me with some wine? I'm good. Mm, the lubrication of the gods. <laughs> this is nice. Closes eyes and takes a deep, slow breath. So, what happened? <laughs> Why can't you tell me? Did you go limp or go off too quickly or something? Don't be ashamed. I think, in general, guys are more intimidated by sex than girls. But don't tell anyone. People apparently need this to be a secret. <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to be a conqueror. It, it's just... I, oh, I, you poor dear. You couldn't get it up at all your first time? There hasn't been a first time. Oh, my God. A virgin? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you poor dear. Wow. I think you and Rainbow have two things in common. I don't understand. There must be a ton of girls who want you. I took a vow. Really? A vow? Like a religious thing? <clears throat> no, 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 no. No, no, just, just a way to... I, I don't know. I just decided to make this vow to myself. You're never going to have sex? <laughs> Not quite that long. Until you're married? Until I'm in love. Ah. <laughs> you haven't been in love? I don't think so. Not even a crush. But that's not love, is it? Really? Mine have always felt like if love is milk, the crushes are whipped cream. That's the, kind of what I mean. It's like adding a bunch of sugar and air to something that was once nutritious. How very wise you are. <laughs> Thank you. I think you'll find as you grow up that people don't really find wisdom all that attractive. So then, my wise young friend, what is love? I don't know. Wow. I hope you figure it out before... Well, let's just say celibacy has its consequences. You've really kept this vow? No cheating while no one was looking? Vows are made to be kept, aren't they? A woman and her husband haven't made love in two years. Two years and three months, to be more precise. Well, and 17 days. Should the woman keep vows she's made almost 30 years ago in spite of that? She's not ready to stash her sexuality in the garage next to her ice skates. Why, why not? Oh, right. She's over 40. She doesn't have a vagina anymore. No, no, no. Why, why do you... Why does this couple not, you know... Because... Their bed is a road in Matrimoniston, too littered with IEDs for either of them to risk crossing to the other side. That sounds sad. Sad is only the tip of the iceberg. I'll tell you a little secret. 
Most married couples are like characters in Chekhov. Do they talk a lot? They endure while dreaming of next year in Moscow. Why? Because people will suffer anything to avoid pain. Close your eyes and give me your hand. Kent, just give me your hand, for God's sake. Sure, cool. Do you feel that? I do. Your hand is very cold. Close your eyes. Feel that. Two hands that exist in entirely different universes, making contact across a great divide. David enters, upset and on a cell phone call. Kent tries to pull his hand away, but Millie holds on. Well, it looks like it's necessary. I don't know what else to tell you. Yes! Goodbye! Not here yet? As dialogue continues, David sends a brief text and then sits at a table to quickly finish tagging the model. Surprise, surprise. Francine went to find him. I'm just reading Kent's palm. Rainbow, five minutes. Come get the dishes out. Your dad'll have the table clear in one minute. Maybe you could get the dishes out? I'm entertaining. Rainbow! Where are the dishes out? I'll get them. No need. You and I can go into the den and finish your reading. Really? I, I want to c contribute. Rainbow enters down the stairs wearing earbud headphones attached to a player in her pocket. Rainbow, get the dishes and the silver and the glasses and stuff out onto the sideboard so you can set the table as soon as it's clear. Kent, come. I will tell you your future. Rainbow exits to the kitchen. That would be so cool. Except, Mr. Braylock, do you need uh, help with that since Rainbow's doing the dishes thing? Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that'd that be great. Thank you, Kent. Uh, you know what we're doing? I'm cool. Kent crosses to the table and starts tagging. Why don't you start with 401? Um, Millie, I'm not sure yet, but it looks like I'm going to have to go down to the office for a while tomorrow. Tomorrow is Sunday. I know. Must be pretty important. Yes. If I go, it's because it's important. We were going to shop for carpet for the rec room in the morning. Can you do that? I can't. It'll have to wait for next weekend. No, I will not live with that linoleum one more day. I'll pick out the carpet myself. It's just a week. It's an embarrassment, and we are going to get new carpet. It's really that important? Is it really that important that you're going to the office? Fine. Do what you need to do. And you, too. And what about the barbecue at Phyllis and Stanley's tomorrow afternoon? I'll try. I'm sure you will. I want a time when we will start dinner. A little while. I want a time. Food is pretty ready. You just have to... I want a time. Probably 10 or 20... I want a time! 17 minutes, okay? 17 minutes from now. So, at... And we'll start whether Andy is here or not? Yes. Yes what? Say it. Whether Andy is here or not. I'm going upstairs to freshen up. To the audience. Connection is required. Food and shelter get all the noise... But if a person lived in the forest, and no one was there to hear them fall, they'd connect with the tree, I bet, to stay alive. Millie exits up the stairs. You still okay on time, Kent? Absolutely. This thing is beautifully complex. Would you mind to tell me what it is? It's a model of a sub-sub-sub-atomic structure representing how flux and resonance and assembly might look in the formative stage of an electron. Uh-huh. Wow. If you could 
snap your fingers and magically have any job in the world, Kent, what would it be? Any job? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think Spider-Man. Yeah. Good. Uh, I can see where that'd be a pretty good job. And if you were Spider-Man, what would your day job be? Maybe like Indiana Jones, except without the spies and the crooks and stuff. You know, just kind of like digging things up all over the place. Archaeology. Well, I guess not exactly like digging the things up so much as like the other day I saw this picture of a 50,000-year-old seashell with, with like man-made holes in it that they just found in somewhere like Spain and that had been painted and used for necklaces. That's whack. I mean, Neanderthals may have died off because they couldn't control fire and they didn't have the wheel, but they had necklaces and decorated themselves. Why? Like, who are we? You know, it's crazy. That'd be a great thing to study, wouldn't it? Rainbow enters, deposits a tray of items on the sideboard, dawdles for a moment, then exits. It's kind of... I don't think my dad thinks people in our family study things like that. You know, your dad and I met in a math class for science majors. Science? Uh, he was into chemistry. I was into physics. And uh, we got talking and decided we'd be able to figure out the unified field theory by the time we graduated. Awesome. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's a theory that there's a unifying principle which explains, well, let's just say uh, Einstein couldn't figure it out. Wow. <laughs> Did you guys do it? We got distracted uh, working on a program your dad wanted to write to help him pick stocks to pay for college, which turned out to be incredibly successful. And he experienced what I'd call a reorientation of bliss. Uh, I'm really sorry he can't be here to see you and Andy meet. So much water under the bridge. I would so love you to see him. Well, what's he going to do on campus anyway, right? And he's got this big deal going on. Kent looks at the model and at David with a fresh eye. Of course. Uh, Millie, will you bring down my iPad when you come down? Um, Kent, can you tolerate a word of wisdom from a complete stranger? Absolutely. Though, I mean, well, you're, you're not a stranger exactly. Sign up for some anthropology courses. Follow your nose down the rabbit hole. There's a time to... Excuse me. David answers his phone. Did Danny call you? Ruthie, I'm sorry. I don't know any more than... I know. I understand. I was sure I would have had some kind of word by today. I don't think we have a choice, but... Oh, my God. What? Uh, hold on, Ruthie. Kent jumps up and retrieves a thin envelope from his backpack. I am so sorry. I, I was supposed to give you this as soon as I got here from my dad. Ruthie, I'll call you back, but I think we're going to be okay for tomorrow. I'll text everyone. Oh, my God, you're not kidding. I'll see you Monday morning. I think maybe you should open it, Mr. Braylock. David? David, you might want to take a look. David exchanges a look with Kent and then opens the envelope, retrieves a short formal letter. He looks to see if there is something else in the envelope, but there is not. He reads the letter. I see. Okay. Thanks. I take it your dad shared with you what this is about? Only that he... that it's not what you asked for. You okay if this is uh, just between us for now? David takes out his phone and starts to text, 
but is interrupted by Rainbow rushing out of the kitchen. She takes Earbud out of one of her ears. Daddy, I think one of your dishes is doing something weird. Oh, fuck. Damn it. Excuse me, I left the flame up under... Damn it! It's okay. It's, it's okay. It's, it's gonna be okay. Uh, take over here. I've, I've gotta get this thing done, Rainbow. I'm not done getting all the stuff out. Uh, I'll get it. Please, just 138. No, 139. Just start at 150. Shit! To the audience. Everything becomes shit. Except shit, which becomes fertilizer. The point being that everything devolves toward chaos, or if already in chaos, evolves back towards order. Why? If you Google everything must change, nine of your first ten hits, in fact, 49 of your first 50, are comprised of entries about a song by that name. Everything must change. I mean, what the fuck? We suffer from such incredible cognitive dissonance. We expect stability and think it's an anomaly when things fall apart. Yet in the backs of our heads, we're smart enough to feel dread when things are going right in our lives because we know disaster is around the corner. And tell me that's not true. We are smart enough to feel dread, but still we feel there is something wrong and unnatural when the disaster finally comes. We take it personally. We ascribe it to a vengeful God and search for what we did to deserve it. And conversely, when we lie in the gutter in complete despair, destroyed by the millstone of our beliefs perpetually grinding against the bed of our reality, we see the flicker of a candle in the distance. We feel hope deep inside. We know that this too shall pass. For God's sake, everything must change is not just some sweet adage to calm nerves and ease stress when an unexpected or unwanted change happens. We know in our blood that chaos seeks order and order seeks chaos. Everything becomes shit and all shit fertilizes something because everything must change. It's not just an adage. We know this in our bones. We know it because it is the most fundamental law of the universe. David exits urgently to the kitchen. Rainbow sits in David's seat and starts to put the earbud back in her ear to start tagging. But... If you want to go watch Fox News, I can handle this on my own. I want to help. It's the least I can do. Incorrect. The least you can do is watch Fox News. You think this is my first choice of how to spend my first evening in town after two days on the road? Yep, I do. This is not my first choice of how to spend my first evening in town after two days on the road. Then why are you here? Same as you. I haven't escaped the asylum yet. My dad wants me here. TV's in the other room. I'm helping. Whatever. Fine. Rainbow returns the earbud to her ear as she and Kent tag. After a moment, Kent takes notice of the music spilling from Rainbow's earbuds. ba 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 bum bum ba 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 bum Bum. Removing the earbud. What? I could hear your ba ba bum bum ba ba bum bum. That's such a sweet lick. Tell me you're into Captain Willie and the Robot Elite. I am into Captain Willie and the Robot Elite. After a perplexed moment, Rainbow returns her earbud to her ear. They continue tagging. Silence. Then. You like busy signals? Removing earbud from ear. What? I was just. What did you think of Death Dog? Death Dog lays in the street. Death Dog, who do you meet? Death Dog, what do you eat? Death Dog. Death Dog. <laughs> it was like, what's that about? I know, right? Rainbow starts to put her earbud back, 
but instead asks, You like any of the stuff since Bong OD'd? Free Zone, a little. That's about it. Yeah, I'm done with Free Zone. She looks at him, then returns the earbud to her ear, and they both tag. Francine enters through the front door. Is he here? Each in their own world, nobody responds. Uh, I don't know. I couldn't find him anywhere. I need a beer. That'd be okay for the baby, right? She opens and chugs an entire beer. The apartment, and the video store, and the diner, and the pool hall, and like everywhere. Well, I didn't check the park, but I can't think why he'd be in the park. <laughs> I don't know. Should I be worried? David enters and puts some serving stuff on the sideboard, then sits in his lounge chair and begins to text. Okay, everybody, caught it in time. Did you find him, Francine? I found his phone. He forgot to take it. Did you know stressing gives you lines? I definitely think I'm getting lines. Should I be worried? Absolutely not. He's probably just stuck in traffic. Oh, my God. My hair. I meant to fix my hair for him. Francine exits to the bathroom. Kent takes his smartphone out of his pocket, puts one earbud in his ear, and searches for a particular song. David makes a call. Hey, Frankie, David. Hey, you haven't seen Andy go by over there, have you? Listen, can you do me a huge favor and pop across the street and see if he's in there? I'll wait. Check this out. Offering the second earbud to Rainbow. Holy coconut water! No way you know Obscura. No way you know Obscura. Yeah. How do you say that you don't know? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you don't need to write another song after that, right? I know, right? Like... Reconstructed post-emo pretty much sucks, but that one, wow. Totally. Totally. How, How do you say, say that you don't know? know? Their <laughs> harmony is so good it embarrasses both of them. She gives him his earbud back. They work in silence, each listening to their own smartphone. After a moment, Rainbow fiddles with hers to find a particular song. She cues it up and starts to offer one of her earbuds to Kent, who does not see her but then is interrupted by David's yelling and withdraws the offer. Millie! Millie! What? Bring my iPad with you when you come down, will you? What? I'll be right down! Bring my iPad with you! Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Thanks, no, 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 no problem. Uh, if you see him, let him know we're waiting for him. Bye. Millie enters down the stairs. Is 17 minutes up? I couldn't understand a word you were saying. Well, it clearly wasn't Millie. I've kept my promise, as I always do, and we can eat now. Ah. What did you want? I wonder if you could have stood at the top of the stairs and asked me that before you came down. Could you have walked to the bottom of the stairs so I could have heard you better? Could you have just texted me? Yes, I suppose I could have done that. I wanted my iPad. Francine enters. Her hair now has many big hair clips with butterflies. David sits and works on tagging. Ta-da! What do you think? Way cool, Franny. What did you do? I wanted to look nice for Andy. <laughs> David says he's probably just stuck in traffic. Right. Traffic in this town is always so brutal. Doesn't that look cool, Mom? There might be construction. There might be a broken light. Francine, fix your blouse, sweetheart, if you want to look special. David, let's go ahead and eat, don't you think? We'll just all take a corner and carry your thing to the backyard, and then you don't even have to finish doing whatever it is you're doing to it. Uh, I've only got ten more. How about you, Kent? Only about six left here. We're going to eat as soon as it's done, right? Absolutely. No waiting for Andy. 
because as you well know, Andy's not going to arrive until he senses that he's completely ruined the evening. <gasps> Maybe he's buying a dog. Do you at least have some hors d'oeuvres or something in there? Five minutes. David, we are hungry. Hey, Kent, you into dreams of flying? Oh my god, yeah. Was that streaming thing last week dope or what? So dope. Pat and I did a benefit viewing party, you know, like they were saying to do. Cool. Yeah, yeah us too. No way. Way. You did a fundraiser for Feed Them now? Yeah, except only four people showed up. We got a humongarious seven. Oh, score. We did some door-to-door -door to make up for it. That's cool. How'd you do? $874. No way. Way. Tiffany Pearl was on that, right? She was, and she rocked. Did you see about her and Coney Poole? If you keep watching that stuff, it's going to harm the baby. Uh, David. You are so funny, Millie. You're kidding, right? I, I never know when you're kidding. <laughs> we'll have to work out a signal. <laughs> Coney's always late, too. See, and Tiffany just had to learn acceptance because that's who he is. I never just watch TV. I always learn something. <laughs> Except he knows I get worried when he's out of touch for more than an hour or two. I don't know how she does it. Isn't that a bit... Oh, I don't know. Suffocating? Well, not worried. Just, I don't know. They're in love, for God's sake. Why do you have such a hard time with that? Oh, you mean there are husbands who actually enjoy getting calls from their wives? When David is in one of his meetings, there is just no reaching him, as I'm sure will be the case tomorrow. The man is focused. Yeah, and it too. Focused. <laughs> That's why he's not here yet. David, please get us some appetizers. All right. David exits. I really appreciate your hospitality. And I appreciate you visiting. Do you know any more games? <gasps> hey, have you seen Andy's room yet? I haven't. Can I give him a tour, Millie? Why don't we wait until Andy gets here, sweetheart? Kent, it's such a cool room. I love that room. <gasps> oh, my God. Francine, in a panic, exits up the stairs. End of scene. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and join us next week for the conclusion of Dance of the Fluxons by Drew Katzman. Now, before we go, we here at the Ashland New Place Festival want to say how much we are looking forward to welcoming you to this year's annual Fall Festival here in Ashland, Oregon, where we will feature our four winning plays this October 16th through the 20th. The Fall Festival is an amazing week of receptions and workshops, culminating in the reading of our four winning plays performed by incredible actors, many from the Oregon Shakespeare Festival or Southern Oregon University's theater department. For more information or tickets, go to ashlandnewplays.org. Also, if you're a playwright, script submissions for the 2020 Fall Festival are now open. Go to ashlandnewplays.org for more information. Play for Keeps podcast is a production of the Ashland New Plays Festival. It is directed by James Pagliasotti. This episode was produced by me, Andy Herndon, with art direction by Cara Quinn-Lewis, and written content edited by Carol Florian. Special thanks to AMPF Artistic Director Kyle Hayden, Associate Artistic Director Jackie Apodaca, and Fall Festival host playwright Beth Kander. I'm your host, Andy Herndon. Visit us online at playforkeeps.org. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Help us spread the word. Like, follow, share, retweet, and subscribe. Want to play? Play for keeps.